This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupian's Markets. Court, as we all know, around the holidays... Any time is a great time to go to Zupans, but especially around the holidays, you can order so your entire Christmas meal from Zupans, or you can just order parts of it and get some nice sides and uh, fill it up with some beautiful candies, little gifts. But Zupans is a great place. Uh, now's the time to order. Uh, pre-order for the holidays. You don't need to pre-order everything, but there are some of the larger um dishes or things that you need to order ahead of time for like a prime rib that sort of thing so check out Zupins and see what you can order while you're there court there's a one day gourmet sale this weekend saturday december 10th hit it yeah that's right uh, if you've got that uh, food lover or maybe a chef in your life um, you can get uh, 40 percent off aged balsamic they've got uh, truffled products there foie gras 25 percent off caviar so think of that uh, that food lover that foodie in your life and stop on by your local zoopans this saturday that's december 10th and take advantage of the gourmet sale it'll be the uh, the christmas the holiday season they'll always remember Right, and if you're into uh, if you're into uh, locks, right? We just had Noah Jacob on the podcast, and his products are there. Uh, incredible smoked salmon to have uh, for the holidays. I like it, so check out that at Zupans as well. At any one of three locations, Court, where are they? That would be West Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Oswego. And of course, we always love to visit this website. Zupans.com All right, here it is. Time once again. It is Portland's Food Scene Podcast right at the fork with your host, Chris Angelus from Portland Food Adventures. I just watched him on camera take a swig of water. He is hydrated. He is ready to go. I'm, I'm co-host. <laughs> That's right. Well, this is no fair. It's one way. Yeah, I, 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 we're still having some uh, internet issues, and so I'm trying to help the system by not feeding my, you know, my right. ugly mug down the line. I, I don't know yeah, if that well, actually matters at the end of the day, but. Well, maybe not with this with this platform. Who knows? Yeah. But yeah, we may as well help it along. Sure. And we don't need technical problems. Court, I miss the days when we could be in a studio, and that I don't I don't think that'll ever happen again. And uh, but this is okay. We've gotten used to this. Yeah, no, I, I I know a lot of podcasters have fully shifted to the remote, um, you know, operation simply because you know. We were forced to do it, and it, it worked out. Um, I mean, you and I are, are dealing with the fact that I no longer work for a media company, and, and I don't. We don't have a studio. Yeah, that we no. Could, could use unless you know you want to come over and hang out at my house. I got a couple of mics and a mixer. We could throw that together. Yeah, there was something about Alpha Media, and so I guess it's okay to say it now. But we got away with a lot for years with free studio space, pretty much. Wait, yeah, but it, 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 it was. Um, how do I want to say it? It was all above board. Yes. But I think there were, at certain times, people had forgotten that, that it was above board, if that makes any well, sense. Well, like the people that we had the agreement with had, had left years, years ago. Right. So it was interesting because when you and I first connected, um, you know, that was one of the things that, um, 
uh, when when Heather and I were doing the podcast, we just paid you to be the engineer, right. which is fine. And then she left, and then we decided to do this together. And as part of that, we folded in. Well, we get the studio. That's great. Right. And you know, we had an arrangement. So, but you at the time were kind of working some. Correct me if I'm wrong. Some part time. Uh, hours for Alpha Media and they wanted to help you as much as possible so they said that okay you can use the studio as long as it doesn't get in the way of our needs right and so that was all well and good for a long time and that was great and then all those people left including your wife yeah so <laughs> and then so for years we were doing that and there was nobody at the company that was really aware of who we were and what we were we're doing and you know i loved having that studio for a couple of reasons you did all the engineering and it was i liked having guests in it was an opportunity to you know socialize a little bit before and after the podcast and um also having kind of a green room for people like you know out in the reception area but it was professional yeah now we're not professionals now we're just like everybody else well you know i i, I guess I, again going back i can set up some mics here and I, i've got a f- uh, front room that we just redecorated that people can hang out in there until we start i suppose yeah, but no, the thing is, it was, well, one thing we found, it was kind of easier to get people downtown yeah. to come into a studio to record the podcast than it is to get them to go into their office and do it for whatever reason. It doesn't mean we can't, but I'm just, I have, my experience is it was kind of easier to get people a few years ago, and that could be the function of the pandemic. It was more, and- yeah, yeah. I think it was more of an experience back then because we we did things that way. But now I think people have realized that the time time works differently now because you can do all these things remotely, and so your your sense of time is is different. And so I think it's less convenient to do easy things. Well, that's true. And also for me, I w- we would usually record on Mondays and often get, we would record two episodes in one day. And I use that <clears throat> as my conduit to get into Portland and do things there. So I was, I would always arrange things on Sundays or Mondays or maybe Tuesdays. And I spent a lot more time in Portland dining out. Well, as a positive consequence of that, I've lost weight. I'm not eating. I'm not doing that kind of stuff. But as a negative consequence, I'm no longer often in a position to go into restaurants and meet the folks who would be on our podcast and say, hey, let me call you sometime. That's not happening as much. So I have to go out of my way to get guests a little more than I used to. They used to just kind of fall into my lap. And uh, now they're not. So... But I've gotten used to this. I like it. I do like not having to drive two hours to do it, sure. I guess, um, and doing it right without having to even take a shower yet. Um, so you think of, all the th- think of all the free time you've just cleared up on your schedule because of... Right. Uh, the- I can, so yeah, for the four hours round trip, how many episodes of whatever right. can I get in? So, you're, you're watching. You're watching the. Uh, we've been talking about this. We're both watching um, the White Lotus on on HBO, which um, is down to its final episode this weekend. There's a lot is of, it the final one this fi- weekend? Final episode this weekend. My wife Randy is just obsessed with it. Uh, watching all the videos that are on TikTok and Instagram, right. people's 
conspiracy theories about what's what's actually happening and what's going to happen. So um, we don't want to spoil anything thing there, but um, it's 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 a visual treat. If you watch the first uh, first episode or the first season, which took place in Hawaii, um, you know, very cinematic, makes you want to go visit Hawaii. Um, this is very much the same, I think, for for the second season, which takes place in Sicily. And uh, and you actually have a way people can go. And this was completely unintentional. What good fortune for you. <laughs> well, you know, I hear that. But at any rate, we're going. So te- they're in Terramina. Yeah. And I've been really enjoying it this season. I have to say, I have been to all these well, places. Right. Well, not all of them, but I prefer the Netflix way of releasing shows all at one time sure. and being able to binge. So this is once a week and, you know, I have to rely on my memory and they're previously on the White Lotus deal. Um, but yeah, no, it's, and I'll tell you what, I've really been enjoying it because I just got a subwoofer for my Sonos system and finally, and I've been wanting one for a while. And man, watching the series it, with, Full surround sound and subwoofer is there. The sound is pretty awesome, so that's been enjoyable for me too. But yes, it has been enjoyable to see Terramina and some of the places that I've been and just muse about where we're going in nine months again and have been there before. So, uh, yeah, Terramina is beautiful. They've spent some time in Palermo and Noto. So we just went to Palermo. We're going to go to Terramina and Noto, and people are invited to uh, check out our trip at PortlandFoodAdventures.com. As long as we're talking about it, I'll just invite people to look at it. I always view this as a public service announcement. If you just want to make people aware that it's happening, it's a great trip. We've done it before. We just did Sicily with a few people. We do a trip with Urdaneta to uh, Spain, Basque Country. We have that in the spring with two spots left. So that's it. Uh, if anybody wants to get on that and anybody's a big Urdaneta fan. Anyway, so yes, it's nice recording this podcast and at home. And we were able to get uh, Jeff Latham yesterday to uh, record with us based on, it was actually a really, I shouldn't say actually, did you know that that's, that word is a key word to pay attention to when people say actually, it means obviously it's a surprise to them and they were expecting otherwise. Hmm. I was not expecting an interview with Jeff Latham not to be interesting, however, I was expecting it to be about the shit going on in the South East Industrial District, um, where Nikki USA's headquarters are, right. and it's like Breaking Bad around there. And he posted something on Facebook about uh, literally an RV going up in flames, and that is when he, both he and Salt and Straw lost their power. Well, of course, Salt and Straw has just a little bit of ice cream right. in refrigerator in freezer freezers there, and he's got meat. Uh, and so this, it kind of hit ahead. And so, uh, Kim Malik at Salt and Straw put out, uh, social media. I guess maybe it was beyond that. I saw it on social media where she, it, she said she loves this city, but her employees are in danger. Not only from, well, they're in danger. They're, they've had, you know, knives pulled on them in, to and from work and this is this kind of thing is happening and there's just there's no 
end in sight to the crime in that area and other areas, but in particularly in that area. So I was just chatting with Jeff and said, hey, would you like to talk about this a little bit? And I thought we were going to do a podcast about exactly how bad it has become. Oh, and we did that. That's there. But what's really nice about it is Jeff sees the light at the end of the tunnel and thinks that it's uh, we're on our way to improvement. And that is something that happened in the last couple of weeks. And as a result of Kim Malik threatening, I don't think, no, it wasn't threatening. I shouldn't say that. Of Kim Malik just threatening throwing the idea out there that if this continues, we have to move out of town. So I, I wouldn't call that a threat. I would call that a... Uh, statement of reality? Right, a statement of reality yeah. and an alternative plan made right. public. Yeah. So, um, and then, then so, of course, within uh, days, the city reacts. And we'll also hear Jeff talk about, um, you know, all the vandalism he sustained and actually within... Days of that occurrence, he hears about a court ruling where the guy who's been vandalized, who vandalized his place and stole things, is going to be paying him restitution. Hmm. So we haven't, I don't know about you, but I haven't heard anything like that going on in Portland. And so it looks like it has. So it's a great interview and discussion with Jeff about what's going on down there and kind of the heart of the the worst part of what's going on in Portland. And he'll describe it. It's pretty bad. Uh, some crazy stuff, too. Crazy. Just listen to it. It's pretty crazy. And then uh, just he's heartened about what may happen. And But as a, just listening to him, you know, business owners have enough challenges nowadays, and they're being taxed, as he points out, and they have labor shortages. And to drive up to your business every day and have to deal with what crime occurred uh, on your, you know, to your business and what you have to deal with is just ridiculous, especially when you're paying taxes to prevent that from happening. Right. So, um, Anyway, so it's a. I really enjoyed the episode. I also enjoyed hearing from Jeff where he's been going lately and what he loves because Jeff Latham of Nikki USA is right in the center of our food scene. He provides a lot of the products that are, you know, prepared in the kitchens and served to people in a delicious way. So he has a, a pretty good barometer on who's not not only the customer experience at places but you know he knows who's buying what and who's using it properly so um so at the end if you stick with the hour i guess it is you're gonna hear uh some of jeff's favorite places so it's a good one right at the fork is brought to you by zupan's markets unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupan's and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers as well as local chefs know that Zupan's is the place to find the very best Northwest bounty in Portland, West Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years. Zupan's Markets. Ringside Steakhouse. For over 78 years now, Ringside has 
has been providing the best in steaks and has been the home for the beacon of great hospitality in Portland. Now featuring dining in their updated dining room and al fresco in one of the nicest outdoor dining spaces in the city. Make a reservation today at ringsidesteakhouse.com and while you're there, sign up for their mailing list to be the first to find out about the exciting specials and events going on at Portland's beloved Hallmark restaurant, Ringside Steakhouse. We've got Jeff Latham here, and you've got, is that, is that an Oregon Duck shirt, or is that an Oregon State Beavers shirt I see on? And I, I think some congratulations are in order for you for your big win in the Civil War. Well, thank you. I would say that that was one heck of a great day, and uh, you'll laugh, Chris, because right before the Civil War, we were getting ready to walk to the stadium and I see this big stretch limo bus pull around the block. And I'm like, wow, somebody's having a good time. Next thing I know, an ex employee who used to, you know, uh, work for me hops out and says, Hey, if you feed me, I'll give you 40 of you and your friends a ride to the stadium. And that was the beginning of one of the best civil wars. Well, no, the tailgating for two days before that was great, but the comeback, the, uh, uh, it was just a great day to be a beaver, and uh, it, it exemplified what's great about sports. Just when you think the little guy's crushed, he comes back and runs it for a whole fourth quarter and uh, and uh, comes out victorious. So we're going to what Vegas What were the odds week. going into that game? <laughs> What were the what were the odds going into that game for Oregon State? I don't follow it as much as definitely as much as you do, but I'm not following college football that much anymore. I don't gamble on sports. I uh, no, I, but I mean, what I what, what what were the numbers? They were like a four point favorite. It wasn't huge because it was oh, that's Oregon not big. State. You know, it wasn't yeah. that okay. big because we've we've you know they if they hadn't lost to Washington, it would have been a big big spread you know, a much bigger right. spread, but bottom line is it was a great day. It was supposed to rain and it just sunshined at 38 degrees, 42 degrees, the whole game. And, and Beaver nation took the field in a, a wave of orange. And uh, that's the way I like to see games finish. <laughs> that is awesome. I knew it was making you happy. That's one thing when I see that, not that I'm following it that much anymore, but when I see that, I know you're happy and that's a good thing. So mm-hmm. listen, thanks for joining us. Let's get into this. Alrighty. But I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, um, you know, you posted to Facebook the other day um, about all the shit that's been going on around your uh, offices and your warehouse. And um, it, I've seen yeah. so many things that have happened to you, your employees, your son um, around there. And it's very frustrating to watch uh, without anything happening. So I just wanted you to talk a little bit about it. I mean, there's a zillion people I could talk to uh, who's got who have dealt with this frustration in Portland. Um, But I thought you'd you'd be uh, you could kind of be the spokesperson for the frustration of all business owners uh, in Portland right now. Well, I can tell you that you're right. You're right. It's been a it's been a weird four years. I mean, I've been in the neighborhood, uh, Central East Side Industrial District, for since 1990 um, at this building and location. Have a really good long run. Have seen it horrible when I moved in in the 90s to cleaned up after 2000. 
seemed like we had a good run where people cared about the community and cared about, you know, we had the right resources from the city, I felt. And we made a really good run until about, in my mind, four years ago. And maybe it's longer. But it, it, it wasn't when COVID hit that it all just changed. Yes, it changed to the worst very quickly. But it had been being neglected for a while. And, it, and I don't understand why, because I think we're a gem of the city that's uh, kind of a breadbasket of the city, too, with the mm-hmm. food community that's in our neighborhood. And so, you know, it, it, uh, we, we just saw a massive decline before COVID hit. The, the, you know, the vandalism was just rampant and, you know, talking to other restaurant customers of mine and seeing how many were getting vandalized. It was just, it was, it was disappointing. And then COVID hit and it became an abyss of almost giving up on hope that the city would do anything to protect us. You know, they really jacked up our fees and our taxes and everything in the last two years to work on a homeless plan. It seems like they were trying to generate the revenue before they had a plan. um, Yeah, they did. They, I mean, I'm paying taxes, whether I make money or not, get to go to the city for cleanup. But unfortunately, we have a nice program called Central City Concern that goes around and cleans up, you know, garbage. And that's what we paid for, I guess. But those people just go around the different meth RV rigs versus homeless RV rig, which most of those ones are doing something that's, you know, not uh, what we wish was happening in our neighborhood. Um I mean, geez, I can go back to the day that right, right around when COVID first hit. And I had just finished watching the movie of the show, like Breaking Bad within a year of it, uh, before that. And right next to where, you know, the incident that we'll get to that was between myself and, and Salt and Straw Ice Cream. Uh, this happened a couple of years ago. All of a sudden, a dude pops up out of the back of the roof of an RV in his hazmat suit, he just got done cooking stuff like they did on the show. And nobody's coming to them. Nobody's arresting anybody. Nobody's doing anything. It was like, whoop, COVID hit. We're going to have a hands-off on the Central East Side Industrial District. And I know, and downtown, too, I guess. I can't speak firsthand to it, but that's what I understand. I would believe that it's the same over there. I, I'm just... I, it hits me in the face every morning when I come to work of how we'd cleaned up this neighborhood. It was clean at one point, and then we just got no hope, no help. There's no help. And it's I don't throw the police department under the, under the bus at all in this. I think they were basically, hands were tied that they couldn't do anything about these people on the street until. And why is that? Why I, couldn't they do anything? I have my own beliefs, but I don't know if that uh, it's hard for me to understand when there's a group of people in it, you know, that believe those people deserve to have a spot on the street. 
in a spot in front of my office or in front of the next business's office, there's a lot of people that believe that, you know, they deserve to have that. And in my mind, um, I've raised a lot of money in my lifetime to help people with other restaurateurs. Our industry is big at raising money for underprivileged people of all different categories, whether it be homeless, whether it be, you know, uh, uh, I mean, lots of things that we've done in, since 1990. Uh, chefs have asked me over and over, and we've always done that because we want to help. And you're you're right in the middle of that all the time. I will say it's easier for me to say than for you. But, oh, my God, anytime there's some charitable event, you provide food, so everybody's coming to you. Can, can you do this? And you, I know over time you must have had to learn to say no so you could not go under. But, yeah, you're in the middle of – a lot of charitable, since I've known you and long before, I'm sure, a lot of charity in this city. So, yes, I understand where you're coming from when you're saying you, yeah. you have a, you've had a big heart over the years and still do. Well, I always, I love the people in our industry are people that uh, care about other people. There's no hate. There's no, it's all about serving food for people, making great experiences and all aspects, whether it's your pub or your highest end restaurant in town, we care. And so I've been fortunate in, in uh, having a lot of great people to work with and, and give me opportunities to take our dollar and turn it into 10 or, you know, just amplify that by a lot more. And I think that's what we've done over the years. But anyway, I, you know, getting back to, you know, the kind of, apathetic approach to the, the, you know, since COVID hit, it's that we pay for our staff. I'll give you an example that just, it's just infuriating, but soon we'll get to the better part of this, this conversation, I think, mm -hmm. but you know, my, my employees, we pay like $400 a, a year for a parking pass. And that's a lot of money. And that's on the street. That's not for a private parking yeah. garage with no, security. Just is, is just to park more than two <laughs> hours at your job in the central east side. And right. it just keeps skyrocketing. Every year it's, you know, massive increase percentage-wise just because. And when you can see before last week, I bet I could have counted 12 RVs with full encampments on the sidewalk that you couldn't walk on anymore. And some of those have been there for over a year and never touched, but my, and not, and not build $400 or yeah. 800 or 1200 because they're taking up two or three spaces. You, right. Oh yeah. I mean, the, the crazy thing is like to, to top it off, they're worried about my employees and my employees get a ticket if they don't have their parking pass on their car, you know? So, but you turn around and you've got, you know, what happened two weeks ago, the Monday before, you know, our biggest week of the year, Thanksgiving and our power gets knocked out and our internet gets knocked out because some people were allowed to leave their RV. They had started to clean up. And this, this is the worst one in the neighborhood. Been there over a year, taken up maybe 80 feet of, they had all this stuff that just drove me nuts every day. I have to drive by it. 
Well, they moved the campment except for left the RV and somebody torched the RV. Then that these, we believe these kids that trashed my kid's car and stole gas from a bunch of our employees torched this RV. Well, the RV was right next to the power pole and the power went out. We got ice cream on one side of the street with no power. We've got Nikki on the other side. That's we got 10 walk-in coolers and freezers. You got Olympic provisions down the street. That's got all this meat age, you know, hanging and curing. So it was a, it was a pretty hectic day, but luckily the power company was able to get it done. Right. Um, but I mean, it's so demoralizing that day while they're watching the PGE fix everything. The same guys that had torched this RV are back siphoning gas out of cars on the street in full view of everybody. And one of my oh managers my had to run them off. Sadly, we didn't know that my son's car was parked right next to it. And they had, he had, it had a, an issue and he'd go to the shop on Monday. Well, they vandalized it over the weekend. We've got it on cameras. They basically had a party in my kid's car and, Broke two windows out of it, and the windshield, trashed the, the dash. But, you know, those same people aren't, nothing's going to happen. Sadly, mm, not, you know, we let those guys out right now. And uh, the system's kind of broken. Yeah. But, I mean, if that, to me, it's not like, like there's nuance to that issue at all, or it's not like, I mean, this is the United States. There is law and order, and yes, Portland's a liberal city, but it would be hard to argue that you got to just let that go. Those people need help. Uh, th- I'm sorry, what comes first are tax-paying citizens, right, and and safety, yeah. right? So, and... That sounds crazy. I mean, I think that you start right at what I mentioned before. They're not paying for that space. So why are they able to stay there over a day without getting ticketed first and towed? I don't, I don't understand that. And then to not even – you have to, you, obviously you have video of the, these, yeah, these people. Yeah, the neighbor's cameras picked it up. Um, but the, the crazy thing was is um, – uh, I got to say real quick, I got to say the irony of the whole thing where my son's car getting torched and the RV mm-hmm. there after not seeing the, the parking meter people for a long, long time, my son's car got a ticket for parking with the windows broken out and trashed 20 minutes oh before God. it was getting towed to the shop to get fixed. I'm like, <laughs> Oh my gosh. But, but little did I know when we were dealing with our, you know, stressful day that the people at Salt and Straw had been experiencing some, you know, the, the some really, really scary stuff. And I think what you saw that I posted was my way of thanking them for drawing a microscope, at least on how bad it really is. And just people will have to will move out. I mean, it's, if you can't, that's what it's going to take, you know, if your employees are getting guns flashed at them as they're walking into the work and, and you know how hard it is to get good employees these days. It's like, Mm. it's, it's, uh, 
I just, I was so thankful that Salt and Straw did what they did. Um, because I, I well, let's clarify that because not everybody knows that Kim Mm -hmm. Malik of Salt and Straw, I guess, went public and said, well, we love the city, but we can't continue to endure this. And if it keeps going on, we're going to have to move out. And they, and she got a lot of shit for that too. She got a lot of support, but also there were people saying, how could you, you know, how could you turn your back on the city like this? Well, the city has clearly turned their back on the, the, the businesses in Portland. I mean, that's turning their back on you, especially, you are taxpayers, too, big taxpayers. So if they want to keep you, how about they keep you? It makes no sense to me. I totally it makes no sense to a lot of people. But how crazy is it that it took Kim? It takes people on people who love ice cream and just love the story of salt and straw. It takes her. It You know, you go back to, you know, John Gorham downtown. His His complaints way back meant nothing uh you know it goes on and on i see it i have a lot of friends on facebook in the industry and i just like i cannot and not and also outside of the industry i cannot believe there isn't a day that goes by that i don't see a a car broken into a business broken into a car stolen there's not a day that goes by and so uh, and some of those are just it's not businesses that are People who are just trying to live a life in Portland. All right, you have more to say about this than I do. You live it. I can't believe you looked at that shit every day and walked by and go to work and still can work. Well, there's just so much good that I remember uh, that that uh, I'm always a glass full guy, um, you know. And, you know, I knew there was a time when I moved into this neighborhood in the 90s where it it was worse than down. I mean, it was definitely, uh, and we cleaned it up. We cleaned it up as a community. It was great. And and our city was rolling, and then, you know, some conditions happened where, um, you know, we allowed it to be acceptable to vandalize and because there's no repercussion yet. We have to change that part of the system in my mind is, you know, whether it's the guys that, you know, spray paint your building every day because they can do it and never, ever have any repercussions. To me, it's like, hmm, garnish those guys' wages for $5,000 every freaking time you get busted. And someday the kid's going to go, you know what? There is repercussion. I'm not going to vandalize. You know, we just. Do they have wages? Eventually they will, man. And oh, least, you mean future wages? Eventually you can't live on the street forever. And. You know, I think that's something that um, I pointed out in my post that it's really important that people understand there's not all street people are the same. There are street people that are down on their luck, that have worked hard in their lives, and those people aren't vandalizing us. Those aren't the people that are breaking in my windows twice in the last month to steal stuff out of my office. Those, those people would like a path to get off the street. All right. But they are on the street. Then we've got way too many younger people that feel like that's their, their right for some reason to steal, to 
vandalize cars randomly, break windows and steal nothing because that's their right. And unfortunately, just to make a statement yeah. or not even a statement, just to express themselves. That's their creativity. Yeah. I mean, these guys, <laughs> you and I were talking, well, you know, the thing that happened after the, you know, the thing that gives me so much hope right now. And that's something that I think is because I love. Yeah, no, I wanted to cover that. What gives you hope? I, I, after feeling so frustrated from all the times we've been broken into, we actually have somebody that's going to pay restitution for the stuff that they did to us for the first time ever, maybe 20 times we've been broken into in my career here, never caught somebody. Well, this guy was so stupid and so emboldened because they never get caught. He broke in two weeks ago or three weeks ago now, right before Thanksgiving, stole some stuff, went home, and said, you know what, I'm just going to go back and steal more. And the cops were there, and he was wearing my manager's coat, you know, freezer coat, and they arrested him. First time I've ever heard of a, a, <laughs> a criminal get arrested in this neighborhood. And I'm, I'm only talking about Central East Side because that's where I'm at, okay? Mm -hmm. But the guy got arrested, went to the grand jury, and he gets to pay us back over the rest of his life until I get my five grand back. I think it's, it's a beautiful thing. Finally, <laughs> finally. So and he, when was that? How that, long ago was that? That was the week prior to Thanksgiving or maybe two weeks prior to Thanksgiving that we've got them all on cameras and everything, but he was so emboldened that he's done this before. I guarantee you he freaking left with a bunch of equipment and then came and he's back. wearing your Nikki USA, uh, <laughs> This, he's wearing the evidence this was actually a uh, a freezer coat that my manager wears when he's in doing inventory and shit stuff so <laughs> so it was a it was an expensive freezer coat and and uh bottom line is uh that was the first time ever you know sadly you know we're getting estimates to put for 30 let's see i've been here 32 32 years and I've fought so hard not to put iron bars on my windows because I just feel like that means I lost the battle, mm -hmm. but we're getting quotes for that now. Um, sadly, but it's better that if we, I was, I didn't intended to put up plywood, but my, my staff all agreed that all that is, is a magnet for some punk to come spray paint my building then. And we have a beautiful yeah. mural on our building. So you can't board up the windows, which I was planning to do. And I'm like, okay, you're right, guys. We want to keep our, our mural. This is stuff you shouldn't have to think about. You should, you should be worried about challenges of getting great product and making a profit as opposed to this. It's So wait a minute, just to go back you. So it sounds like that grand jury uh, determination that you're going to get restitution happened really quickly like it, that was quick justice for you that's not something that was drawn out for a year or two yeah well i don't know how it went so fast all i know is they called and they said my my manager appeared you know did the zoom thing and and um he was a part of it and then within two weeks they're like okay uh all your all your theft the thousands and thousands of dollars of equipment that he stole he's going to be liable for and has to pay restitution. I'm like, 
I was floored. I just found that out last Friday. And I'm like, oh my gosh, there is hope. And that was the first thing that happened in a domino effect that made me post what I posted when it came to, you know, after having the city, you know, because of the salt and straws, you know, plea, which is a plea from all business owners in this neighborhood, whether it's OP, myself, you know, Sheridan, uh, anybody in this neighborhood feels the way they do. And, and the city met and I didn't go to the meetings. I can't tell you exactly who met. All I know is within 24 hours, they came up with X amount of money to focus on getting after the craziness that's been happening in our neighborhood. And I came to work the next morning and I was so freaking happy because this other van that was another meth den right next to office depot that was 40 yards from my front door been there for months and months no tires that have air in it no nothing and the kids would just come and hop in and do their thing inside of course and then move on well the police came to tow it and i'll be dang if the guys that vandalized my kid's car and torched the RV, which I believe, I can't prove that, but everybody in the neighborhood believes it. They were upset with the police for towing their van. They, they pulled into the into Office Depot's parking lot, like 40 feet from where three squad cars were and six great men in blue were here helping us. And they were sitting there waiting for the police to leave so they could get whatever they were hiding inside that piece of crap. Wow. And, you know, we don't know yet if those kids will ever get, you know, arrested for what they did. It's, it's, uh, but the point being is the police, I haven't seen police like that in two years. Okay. And I, I'm somebody that, um, believes in law and order, believes in rules or rules yeah i break some sometimes so does you know a lot of people but i don't oh what rules have you broken recently i drive faster than 55 miles per hour (laughs) (laughs) anyway there's little things that uh you know it's it's uh uh you know there's just the bottom line is so let me ask you this what what were the police doing for the past two years? If they weren't doing, if they weren't towing, uh, you know, breaking bad meth RVs, if they weren't doing that, what were they doing? You know, I, I feel like they were asked to stand down, to be honest with but- you. But I mean, what would they do with their time? <laughs> I never heard. I, I rarely heard. I shouldn't say this, but it's not like I have my ear to a police scanner. But I haven't heard anybody say the police came and helped me do this until you just said that. Um, that's the first time I've really heard anything like that in a long time. I'm sure it's happened, but I haven't heard anything like it. And I wonder what they were doing. I mean, I'm I'm not anti-police either, but... As you said, you don't want to blame them specifically. They they took their orders from above. But what were their orders? That's what I want to know. What, I, what were they told to do? I don't know, Chris. I I just know that there was very little presence for since COVID hit, and and obviously, um, you know, the, there was a climate that 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 
uh, um, that basically was discouraging their presence, I guess. And, and I see a lot of both sides to this, but the bottom line is police are there to protect us, to protect our employees, to protect our property. And we've gotten, we had gotten to a spot where property, you know, had no value to a lot of people, you know, I guess. Mm -hmm. And it's just okay for every business owner to get robbed. And, and honestly, in the police's defense and the district attorney's of, uh, of, you know, defense, if you arrest 300 people for crimes against other humans and you don't have enough defenders to, to defend them, so you just let them back out, what is the determinant to mm-hmm. these people robbing me again? Or, I mean, it, there was no determinant. And so I would be discouraged too if I was a police officer that, you know, I'm not saying they were discouraged. I'm just saying that I feel like if I was one of them and I was busting my butt to get all the data, which is even harder to get now because we have, it's almost like you have to prove it to another level, but they go through all the process, arrest people, charge them, can't get them defense attorneys. This is a yeah, travesty. that's an interesting problem. They, yeah, you I've never have... heard of it ever before yeah, until no, three weeks ago. Oh, we're just going to let three hundred people out. That's yeah. not that's not fair for well, the rest. And they of don't us. have that, and they don't have the places to put them. And um, yeah, that's an interesting problem, and it's not something that can be taken care of overnight. I mean, I have. I have yet to read, and I hate to keep saying this, but I have yet to read that there's going to be resources going towards public defenders, which is kind of crazy because it's kind of ironic that we have to pay people to defend these people who are doing this. It's kind of nuts. But I haven't heard that yet. So, um, wow. So, listen, let's take a moment right now just to uh, get a word in from our valued sponsor ringside steakhouse who has some of the same issues i'm sure that you have been dealing with in another part of town on west burnside oh i love those guys at ringside (laughs) hey chris let's pause just a moment to talk about one of our favorite places to eat ringside steakhouse and one of our favorite places to think about the holidays as well if you're short on ideas and even if you're not short on ideas if you're long on ideas here's a great idea ringside offer has a special offer on dining cards so when you purchase 300 dollars in ringside gift cards you get an extra 50 dollars you can use for yourself or if you're going to go if you're going to go long and go with $500 in gift cards, you get $100 in bonus. So that's a pretty good bonus. If you're getting gifts for people, then you get to go to ringside yourself, saving $100. Yeah, if there ever was a time for you to pick up those gift cards, we always, uh, well, we recommend any time of the year, but this is the great way to you know help yourself out as well. Also, don't forget, Primetime Monday is back. Leave the cooking to ringside and enjoy their three-course prime rib Monday night, which includes uh, you get your appetizer, you get the entree, which is, of course, delicious prime rib, uh, Yorkshire pudding. Uh, then you get the 
dessert with the creme brulee that's every monday night at ringside steakhouse i love that yorkshire pudding i go in and uh i don't know if i'm supposed to say that but sometimes i've gone in and asked for that a la carte so um it's great and speaking of prime rib if you can't go in or even if you can enjoy the uh three course prime rib dinner you can enjoy prime rib for christmas courtesy of ringside at uh, at home prime rib dinner for six you pre-order on their website now and you pick it up december 23rd includes a half a prime rib everything else you need including mashed potatoes brussels sprouts bread and caramel apple pie so you order that now at ringsidesteakhouse.com, and that is your Christmas. No fuss, no muss, and delicious. Very nice, and don't forget, while you're on the website, look at the gift card opportunity there, and make those reservations. You can also make those reservations for your holiday get-togethers on the Open Table app. So listen, I'm glad that we were just getting to a point where you saw some optimism. We're hearing that there are some things going on with the Wheeler administration that are uh, indicate that things are going to be done going forward. I don't know what's going to happen coming from Salem. Um, you know, I, who knows? Uh, we we don't we we heard a lot of rhetoric during the comp campaign from both sides as to what needs to be done whether it's actually going to be done it's easy to talk about that in a uh, you know in an election period and then when the rubber hits the road it's a different deal but it just to me i'm sorry it sounds insane just the problem we just laid out before the commercial break, that, the, that we have to pay defenders to defend these people who just torched your, you just created problems. It's nuts. Yeah. It, it, uh, I mean, it's, it's the system. We need to support it. We need to figure out how to fund it and make sure these people that are, are, are held accountable. And that's the way you get your society back to, you know, away from some of the, sadly lawlessness that's happened in the you know downtown area and it's not just the central east side but but i'm i'm glad that i'm one of the guys fighting for good and there's a whole bunch of us that are great business owners that have were you know fighting the good fight and eventually you know over the last 32 years like i said there's been highs and there's been lows and i'm i'm hopeful that we just hit rock bottom recently and we're going to climb ourselves out of this and we're seeing, like I said, I didn't even tell you, there's a dozen less RVs that have been in my neighborhood are gone now. Now, every other time that happened, they came right back within 24 hours. They have not come back in a week. Oh. So we're making progress, Chris. <laughs> well, I think you've got not only that they're gone, but if it can be publicized that restitution happened for a business owner in portland and that can get around on the streets that there's quick justice out there you're not just going to get away with it i don't think it i'm guessing i don't know i'm not a sociologist or but i would think that if that happened for a good solid period of time a few months and word got around then maybe they take their game elsewhere or they just, I mean, there's nothing that's going to teach someone who's been doing the shit like you've been watching not to do it. That's just, they have to be, they have to be caught and put away. It's not going to be like, ooh, 
I can't do that anymore. <laughs> I have yeah. I have to go get a job. That's, right. That's not going to happen. Yeah, four years of ooh, it's that easy to rip somebody off or to steal an yeah. innocent working employee's gas out of the car while they're at work. It's you know we got to change that mentality and you know be an optimistic person. I am. I'm and to see that uh, you know I feel like there is going to be some joining of the ranks of the business owners in this neighborhood uh, more than we've done in the past. And uh, hopefully that'll help us. But uh, So do you think it, it was Kim's proclamation, or I don't know if it was a proclamation, but just mentioning that Salt and Straw was going to leave that really got the, finally got the attention? Was that, was that the turning point that you think? I absolutely happened? think that was the turning point. It took somebody loud enough that's liked enough that employs dozens and dozens of employees in our town that could easily move out of downtown and have a lot less headaches, but she's committed. And she, you know, the bottom line is I know they took a leap of faith and it was hard to do because you, you know, it's, you it, when you're the vocal person, it's obviously it's easier to be, be, uh, well, you just, it's easier. Uh, well, one of us had to step up in a big way, and I'm glad that their their microphone was big enough to be able to get to the right people because it happened so fast. After all of us feeling hopeless that we just have to put it build into our budget, we're going to lose tens of thousands of dollars every year from vandalism. And yeah, that's a big ta- you know. that's a big tax to feel like you're getting z- zero back from that. At least when you pay taxes, you feel like you're going to get something back, maybe. But no, that's just down the toilet. Is uh, and it, and not only that, it makes you. It's depressing to look at. Uh, it would be easier just to write the check and not have all the vandalism to look at, right? You, you probably, if, if you had that, you listen, here's it. your tax. Here's your tax to not look at the vandalism, pay it. You probably would say, all right, I'll pay that. But it sucks to pay it and look at it at the same time. So, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. You know, and it happens to all so many good people. It's uh, It's just such a shame. So I'm... Glad to hear that you think that we may be turning the corner, and uh, you know, may not be. Maybe we could sit here and speak a year from now about the way it was. And uh, you know, we've lost a lot of operators. I mean, people you know and love, and and you can't attribute all of it directly to the crime in Portland, but you kind of can, where you have operators. You just said that you're you know, an eternal optimist and you like to look at the glass half full. And I think a lot of people could. And then eventually they would look at the glass empty and say, you know, do I want to continue with this? So I don't need to name names, but you could probably, and and some of our listeners could probably figure out who I'm, who I might be thinking of when I say that. But I mean, things have changed a lot. And, um, and so hopefully we have a new period going forward. And, you know, one of the beauties of 
that we enjoyed in the Portland food scene that consumers got to enjoy as a result of it and business operators was it was less expensive to do business in Portland for years. That's why, that's why we drew people like Gabriel Rucker here and, you know, who came from San Francisco who said, I can open a, I can do something in Portland and afford to live. And, uh, and, you know, I know I used to hear from, uh, you, know, you know, you do business up in Seattle, quite a bit of business in Seattle. I know, hold on a second. I know um, that I've heard from quite a few, for years, I heard that, you know, chefs and, and restaurant operators in Seattle were jealous of Portland because they could open a restaurant for a lot less and be a lot more creative, have a lot more fun because they didn't have investors up their ass waiting to, you know, see weekly numbers. And that's not necessarily the case anymore. And when you lop on top of that, not only the costs of doing business, but the energy that it takes. I mean, the energy it takes just to get employees now has to be insane just to keep things flowing, to, to keep, you know, cooks on the line, uh, anything. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, things things have changed, but let's hope that we can. Uh, I mean, for me, no matter what, it's a different food scene than it was five years ago. I, I don't. What do you think about that? You're right in the middle of it. I mean, if there's anybody who's right in the middle of it, it's you. So you supply a lot of restaurants, and a lot of the food people eat comes directly from you or indirectly, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, I I think. You know, I'm excited about the future, of course. I've always got to be that way. And, you know, I miss a lot of people that I work with that are no longer in our industry. But I, you know, there's some really good uh, restaurants opening up right now that are driven by people that w- that want ex- excellence. And I think our food scene is going to stay really good here in Portland. I think we need to clean up our streets and people will come back. Um but I, you know, definitely am excited about a new wave that's happening right now um, here in, you know, in, here in Portland in particular, out in Oregon City. Um, you know, we're definitely, I've got some really exciting thing, people that I'm working with that, that um, you know, they're not throwing in the towel. They're actually going all in with more chips on the table. And, Mm -hmm. you know, where you have, like, I think you and I talked about Gabe's restaurant out in Oregon City is helping turn that uh, downtown around. How exciting is it that everybody's looking outside of Portland and building a food scene that isn't all in one space, right? That's and diversifying a little bit. I think it's really exciting. So I I do, too. I do, too, because I think business travelers will come back uh, to Portland and they're starting to. Mm-hmm. With the numbers that we're seeing from our hotels and our our chefs, um, you know, I think there's a new restaurant, you know, the most recent restaurant that's opened that, you know, I want to mention. And there's a couple others that I'm really, proud, you know, excited for the restaurant tours, what they're doing. Um, but I out of nowhere, the restaurant opened and I was kind of embarrassed. I didn't know it was opening. I had just driven by the old blue hour space two weeks ago or two and a half weeks ago. And I was talking to my new business development manager and we were going to meet uh, with some clients and, and I said, God, man, I wish that 
place would open. And, you know, it didn't look like anything was going to happen in the blue hour space. A week later, I see on either Jenkin restaurant opening up that day. Like, what? How does a space that big, that with that much history in the White and Kennedy, you know, up above, not have any real talk about it? And I immediately uh, reached out to the chef and got a, a quick response back. Said he'd love to meet with me. We d- we're delivering to him now Japanese Wagyu, all kinds of great stuff. But I got to tell you, it's really going to be an impressive location. Um, and the chef and the team there all came in from Miami. They hired a few people from here. And I I, I see huge things happening for them uh, going forward. And it, and it it's all- a key location in Portland, too. It's a beautiful mm-hmm. – you couldn't be in a more perfect location. It's easy to get to from a lot of places. And it's known – Blue Hour was always the epitome of a beautiful fine dining restaurant in Portland. If there were any, it was Blue Hour. So that's cool. And have you been in to eat? I, I haven't yet. It's just we've had a lot of stuff going on with the holidays, the Civil War, all kinds of stuff happening. Mm-hmm. So soon I'm going to, but I'll tell you what, if you watch his Instagram and the, the restaurant's Instagram, he's got A5. I mean, we're delivering some really special A5 to him today that he does on mm-hmm. a hot rock. And he's, I think uh, Chef Rodrigo is going to find a, a really good home here. And uh, it's really impressive what they've done inside the restaurant. I've been in not to eat, but in to deliver and talk business. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's some new life and blood into our restaurant scene that I, they wanted to go low key and just open quietly so that they, cause it is a huge space and, uh, right. And you want to get things down mm-hmm. before you have a lot of people and uh, yeah, you want to start slow. I think unlike, I bet you Khan just went balls to the wall right off the bat and they're doing, they're doing fine. I know, <laughs> a lot I love- of buzz around that. I love Gregory and his team and I'm happy for them. And I, yeah, they, I am you know, too. When you can book your restaurant out, you know, for a month uh, at once when you release your tickets, I don't think anybody's ever done that in my history of me being in. This well, business. we're seeing Notaguro do it. You know, they oh, did yeah, it in yeah, the yeah, past yeah, yeah, and they're yeah. doing it again, but they don't have as many seats. It's not the same thing. So um, I'm glad you brought them up. I love those guys. And I'm so yeah, happy. <laughs> I love Ryan and Elena so much. Mm-hmm. It, I've got yeah. That's another one that's that's uh, reincarnated and really, really great people behind it that uh, deserve good things to happen to them. Um, there's another one, uh, Heavenly Creatures from uh, Aaron from Saint Jack, which is another mm-hmm. one I like to plug. The uh, Aaron and his team always does great work. It's more of a wine bar with lots of different hams and different things, but we have some excitement happening of new things happening and it makes me you know beyond happy to know that it's not a steady decline of watching people migrate out of the business we do have people coming in and bringing new excitement and new blood hey there's there's real estate to be had <laughs> so i think that's the key it's not going to just sit there somebody's going to fill it at a certain rent and i think there that's part of the that that is uh, I think part of the equation mm-hmm. that there's beautiful spaces that were that have good track records of attracting people. 
Um, so that's cool. I appreciate the fact that you went right to, uh, as part of the discussion of optimism in Portland, you started going into some of the places that you're, uh, you're happy about. So let, let's do this. You've talked about it. Just, uh, this is putting you on the spot, but I don't think it's putting you too f- far on the spot. You talked about some of the new places that you're excited about. What what are some of the places that have been around for a long time? See, those are the places that need, that could use some of the discussion because they're not the next new shiny thing and they've been around, you know, the places like Ringside and they're doing well. It's not like they're calling out and saying we need help, but there are, you know, restaurants around. Like, I know you're a Le Pigeon fan. You would, you would say to anybody, I know, I'm guessing, knowing you well enough, if someone came into town and that had never been to Portland and said, Jeff, where do I have to go? I have a feeling Le Pigeon would be on the top of your list. Are there any others that aren't new that are, that have been around that people know can be a great spot for you? Oh, well, I always, you know, love Ox. You know, Greg and Gabby didn't um, do phenomenal work. Um, I Muka Asteria downtown is another one that mm-hmm. I really like. Uh, Le Chon restaurant, which is one that never gets any press, but it doesn't. But there are a lot of people in there. It does pretty well. He's he buys great ingredients, and uh, you know, I've never had somebody come into town and go, "Oh, I had a bad meal there." Um, cause it's yeah. always one, you know, um, uh, let's see, um, Spanish Urdaneta? Urdaneta, absolutely. Oh my God. You, well, those are my, those are my guys. I, They're my people. I love Urdaneta. I, I, uh, man, you go in there and you just have a great time. And it, and sadly we've, you know, we lost a good, uh, another good Spanish restaurant in the last year, but you, you know, um, I'm glad that, uh, guys that are net are doing great you know so listen shameful promotion but you know jeff you've talked for years that you'd like to go on one of our trips Mm -hmm. and if you love urdaneta we do have the last two spots available for our spring trip with chef javier and jl and andre who you must know oh gosh so uh, we have two spots left, and we would love to shoehorn you in. <laughs> you know, I'd love to go. I, I would love to have you yeah. and Melody come along. It'd be a lot of fun. So, anyway, I just say that, but uh, that's in April with those folks to Bass Country. So we do Bill Bow. This will be the third time, third time in the last twenty-four, uh, twelve months that we will have gone. And those are that was originally sold out in 2019. Pandemic hit five weeks before the first time we were going, and we had everybody. Uh, I would say 80 percent of the folks that put deposits in 2019 have finally already all gone, and uh, we had a great time. So this new one in the fall is all new people who are uh, have we've generated since. Anyway. I would love you listen I'm not putting you on the spot but man it would be I would love to fill those last two spots with you two that would be so fun one I I would love to go I just we're in the middle of a how, hopefully the house remodel at the farm will be finishing about that time and I just oh god I dream of going with you because I know it's going to be a blast for everybody that does 
we have two other people going through a house remodel who said if you could do if we could do it later we'd like to move and i just informed them we're not necessarily doing we may but we're not necessarily doing at least for a year so they're gonna go with their house building they're building a new house so um Anyway, you can commiserate with them. All right. I'm sorry. That was a longer uh, self-promotion than um, I ever would have intended. But it was really about you and us and having fun. So if you love the folks at Erdoneta, that's the thing to do. So, Yeah, I I do. I think you're going to have a blast. And I'll be ready one of these days to jump on one of your good, great trips because I know it just looks like a blast. Well, I won't. I won't. I can't give out who I'm talking to, but there are a few folks that I know you would love that I'm talking to, and I would love to do trips with them, but until they're actual, actually put together, I don't feel right about mm-hmm. discussing it. But there, there are a few cool ones out there. So, Great. And hopefully, I know we have plans to continue to do trips with uh, Javier and JL. Um, may not be Basque Country, though. Maybe Madrid, mm-hmm. uh, southern Spain, that sort of thing. All right. You got any others that uh, come to mind? Yeah, there's there's a couple that – so Mediterranean Exploration Company is somebody that I just love their food and what they do. Probably mm-hmm. move more lamb of our great Oregon lamb than any other restaurant in town. Uh, and then somebody that I really enjoy is um, – is Andina. Andina's been around forever and they've fought hard with that huge space through COVID and putting out some great food these days. Um, Serato is another great one in my mind. I heard someone say the best meal they've had in years was at Serato recently. And you know what? Speaking of Serato, we did a Portland food adventures dinner that was Nikki focused. Uh, would you, I, you got like eight, eight, 10 years ago. I know you got to really draw on your brain to say, Hey, that's what we did. But yeah, that's what it was. And it was great. And that was, um, yeah, there. So who's the chef there now? Tony's still the chef. Tony's Tony's still the chef. Yep. He's actually, um, recently got promoted and he manages Mm -hmm. that kitchen and he's overseeing other properties in that group. Mm. Um, you know, uh, Clyde's Prime Rib, the Lighthouse. Some of, they have a lot, you know, of of uh, of good food um, in their group. But but Serato is what I consider their flagship, and uh, he just and they don't get it. a lot of press either. But no. man, that it's always been solid since before I met you. I found myself in there a few times, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I literally I don't know who it was. Someone just recently said it. We just went to Serato, and it was the best meal we've had in ages. So. Um, that's cool to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Did I stop you from, uh, some reeling off some more from reeling off some more? I love your list because you're at the heart of it. You're not, you're not just a diner. You are providing, you know, what's being provided. You know, the questions chefs are asking, you know what they're looking for and how much they care. And it's really cool to hear from you, um, where you, where you've been going to. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. So, you know, uh, no, you know, I, I appreciate the opportunity. I know you're busy. It's holiday season. So let, what quickly, what are you doing at Nikki that people should know about? Are you still doing your, your sales? And um, what sh- where should people be going? Oh, we're, we'll have some really cool stuff for the holidays on our, you know, basically we're not doing the fire sales any 
technically anymore, but it's more of a website driven. We do have $150 minimum now. We waived that the first year of COVID to try to turn inventory and reinvent ourselves a little bit um, or capture some markets since the restaurants were down so much. But we we still have basically valet out front to pick up pick up meat, order it uh, through our website or you know preferably our uh, orders. At Hold PDF. on a minute, Jeff, yeah. just a sec. Mm-hmm. He got excited when he heard you start talking about meat. So hold on. I think someone's coming down the driveway. I bet you it's UPS. Just give me a sec. All righty. Kodak, it's okay. Yeah, it's UPS. (laughs) All right. So I don't, we, uh, somewhere in there, we'll, uh, court will figure that out so mm-hmm. uh, and it's okay to have a dog barking it's COVID. it's covid and post-covid yeah yeah people understand that so i'm sorry to get back so check so uh website address that people want to check out is uh nikkiusa.com and and sign up for a newsletter i would imagine yeah definitely sign up for that there's lots of great deals we're we really have been kind of slower slowed down a bit on our social media but we're going to and our website, but we're going to be really coming back strong with it. Got a bunch of Spanish products we just brought in from Spain for the first time. Some blood sausage that's a salami that blows your mind uh, that we just got in. We've got, you know, all kinds of Iberico products. Again, uh, the cuts that we were out of for two years during uh, COVID, uh, our dry aged beef. We've got just a lot of things going on now. Um and, you know, I think we're going to have a great December. I think, the, you know, there was a kind of a slowing around the election and the buildup to the election. But now I think people, uh, December is going to be uh, a month to celebrate. I mean, if Black Friday was any indication of, 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 you know, people wanting to get out again and people not being afraid again, you know, like we have been for a couple of years or more concerned. I just think that people are going to really try to enjoy the rest of this year. Um, and uh, hopefully our restaurants are impacted by that in a good way, which trickles down to us. Um, and uh, anyway, we just, if we, if somebody doesn't want to purchase our minimum 150, which is pretty easy to get to, then we can refer you to a retailer in your neighborhood. That's probably bring something in. We sell most of the specialty stores. In, in the region throughout Oregon and Washington. Um, so, uh, yep, we, uh, you know, we're here to help if somebody's interested. It's a good Yeah, meet. no, I, I appreciate that. It's And I highly suggest everybody take advantage of your, uh, your products and your hospitality as well. So um, I know you're busy. We're over an hour. I told you I suggested mm-hmm. it would be 45 minutes to an hour. We're over. I really appreciate your taking the time, Jeff. And it's always, hey, it's one reason I love the podcast is it gives me at least an hour to hang out with you. Because we haven't had, we <laughs> yeah. have, we're not meeting at events very often. We haven't sat down and eaten, which is why I was kind of pressing for come to Spain. We can do it for 10 days. Oh, um, I'd love to, yeah. Wow. Yeah, well, we'll f- maybe we can figure it out. But at yeah. any rate, thank you so much, and uh, I appreciate it. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX, or on Facebook at Right at the Fork, or online at RightAtTheFork.com. dot